It's been a long time coming, but another episode of the FinGlocal podcast is finally here. I'm your host, Henry, and joining the show today is a professor of finance, interim area chair, and associate dean of research and faculty development at the Gabelli School of Business, and co-director of the Center for Research in Contemporary Finance. Please welcome Professor Yen. Thank you, Henry. Thank you for having me. start with a rather broad question. What does the current global energy crisis mean for the energy industry from an ESG standpoint? Is it promoting or demoting investments in the sector? You know, this is actually uh, you know, a, a long kind of debate, you know, um, whether the ESG, you know, is good or bad the society and there's a lot of different opinions of course there are pro ESG opinion there is anti-ESG opinion right the pro ESG opinion is that you know this is good and we don't have to say too much about that right this helps the environment this can help the community can solve the social issues therefore we have to commit ourselves to ESG so I mean there's a lot of supporters there but there are also some, uh, you know, voices, you know, kind of, uh, you know, casting the doubt on ESG. Mostly, you know, there's a conflict between the ESG and the economic consequence, right? So ESG is not free; it is costly, and it could have, it could, uh, you know, cause the sacrifice economically, and also a lot of ESG practices right now, to some degree, they are greenwashing, you know, bluewashing. So there's a lot of uh, doubts on um, you know what what we are doing is the right thing or not. So there's a long kind of a debate, you know, over the time. I think you know the current global energy crisis, especially driven by the Russian Ukraine war, uh, kind of add fuels into this uh, debate and change the debate a little bit because before that. Of course, before that, there's always there was also some you know, and uh, change of directions for this debate. We know that in the Trump administration, you know, the U.S. government uh, was not quite you know pro ESG. There were a lot of uh, policies from the Trump administration, basically, you know, um, hurt the ESG development. Right, so uh, to detach the ESG from the you know contribution, uh, the the DC plan and the DB plan, so that's that's the part of uh, you know what what the Trump administration did, which hurt ESG, and uh, but then you know when the Biden administration took the office, it changed the direction. Therefore, you know for a while, this uh, pro ESG uh, school dominates in the U.S., but in the U in Europe. And you know, always, you know, all the countries, all the citizens there, they are pretty much pro ESG. Um, but uh, right now, you know, this kind of uh, you know, we, we know the energy crisis causing a high, you know, very, very increasing price for the gasoline, you know, and, and so on. So it's it's really hurt a lot of consumers, hurt a lot of citizens for their, you know, uh, for their lives. So this, therefore, you know, the debate changed a little bit, 
you know, especially in the U.S., and there's a lot of, uh, you know, more and more voices, you know, doubting the ESG. And uh, especially, you know, in the U.S., the ESG becomes more political, right? So if you look at, you know, the our governor from Florida, DeSantis, he basically just said ESG is uh, it's a scam, right? So ESG basically is... Uh, you know, uh, it's a it's a it's a marketing it's a marketing tool, and without doing anything for real, actually only hurt the economics. So you know, therefore, this energy crisis only you know add weapons to those you know anti ESG you know politicians, and uh, also those anti ESG school, and the and the voice becomes stronger and stronger. But uh, in Europe, still, I think the pro-ESG voices dominate. And uh, given whatever happening right now, this summer, 2022, you know, for the, the, the temperature, which is 100 degree everywhere, right? in the US, in Europe, in East Asia, basically everywhere. Right? So, you know, the, 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 the consumers, the citizens, they also gradually realize, you know, the, the ESG is important, especially the climate change, you know, environment, that's for real. So over the long term, I think still the trend is the pro-ESG will take the dominating position and the, this uh, ESG movement will move ahead. Although right now there's some uh, pill wind because of the politicians, because of certain kind of uh, ideology, you know, related to certain party, but it, it, you know, over the long term still is a positive trend. Yeah, so I, I agree with those points. And kind of on the flip side of what you talked about uh, regarding politics and sort of the Trump administration being a, a detriment to the advocacy of ESG, um, the Russia-Ukraine conflict is surprising, surprisingly actually uh, probably benefiting ESG. Um, so what I mean by that is the Russia-Ukraine conflict is evidently a driver in the current spot demand for renewable energy in the West. So my question is, are there any other renewable energy drivers? And do they also contribute to the long-term growth of the energy industry? No, you're right, Henry. So the Russian-Ukraine uh, war, this conflict, definitely, you know, to some degree also help the development of renewable energy, the ESG development. Although in the short term, it could hurt a little bit. Uh, but over the long term, it actually has a lot of uh, positive influences, right? To boost the innovation to the new technology on the you know on the clean you know uh, energy and how to do all those business operations without consuming too much of the energy, right? To to how to you know to to achieve this uh, you know climate neutral climate neutrality in 2050, right? So that's there's a lot of a positive positive influence in, in, in the future. Uh, but also I agree with you, you know, there are a lot of different, you know, forces which can help, you know, drive the long-term growth of, uh, you know, of the ESG and the renewable energy space, you know, which happened for, which has happened for a, a long time already. You know, when you talk about all those different forces, of course, we talk about the uh, politics. The politics, unfortunately, you know, they should not. It should not be there, but it is there in the U.S. because of Republican, Democratic, all those divi division, 
and a lot of things kind of uh, being, you know, being very political and uh, you know part of uh, ideology, you know, for the, for the party, you know, and so on. So that's but put that aside. I mean, that's that's very unfortunate. But to put that aside, you know, there are a lot of uh, positive influences, especially from the you know the NGO, because you know if you look at ESG development from the very beginning. For the ESG, the pro-ESG voices we talked about before, you know, in the first question, to gain the momentum. And so to, so to some degree, you can argue, you know, that's all because of those NGOs. There are a lot of well-known non-profits, you know, organizations, non-government organizations, they did a lot of things behind behind the scene to promote. You know the the ESG initiatives. Although sometimes you could, you know, some uh, you know the business persons or business world, they could criticize a little bit on those NGO, you know, the uh, and nonprofit organizations, saying that you know it's too much about ideology and too much about I forget they they kind of ignore all those economic consequences, which may not be the ideal thing. For the business world, because we know in the business world, you sometimes you have the balance between ESG and between the 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 you know the the economic consequence, right? And uh, but uh, still, you you cannot uh, deny deny that that those NGOs they really push forward this ESG development, and so that's you know the NGOs. Another force which is very important right now in the U.S. You could argue. That's because that that's investors, those retail investors, those you know, and right also you know come to the institutional investors, right in the U.S. You know the institutional investors. You know if you go to all those you know the the financial companies, you just have to talk about ESG. Of course, they're under pressure from their investors, those retail investors, the new generations who care more and more about environment. Care more and more about you know the DEI and so on. So therefore, you know they push the institutional investors also focus more on ESG and put the pressure on the firms to improve their CSR practices, the ESG policies, to integrate ESG into their corporate culture, to incorporate incorporate into their business operations. Right. So therefore, you know, investors, especially institutional investors, plays uh, play a very important role in the U.S. And if you look at last year, for example, the the the, the best example, you know, you people usually talk about is is uh, you know, engine number one, which is uh, you know, it's it's not very large. It's a hedge fund, but it's not very large. But uh, it launched a proxy fight against Exxon, and successfully. Remove the three board members from the board of Exxon, and under the help of three major institutional investors, passive investors like Vanguard, you know, Black uh, BlackRock, and State Street. So from that, you can see there's a lot. Of, I mean, the, the the investors also play a very important role, and the push the firms to change, and the pressure the firm to incorporate the best ESG practices into their culture, into their business operations. So that's another very positive uh, force to push forward uh, ESG development. Okay, so on the other hand, you could also see you know, another very important, actually you could say that's the most important you know, factor is government. 
the government has to do something. You know, the U.S., frankly speaking, in terms of the ESG practices, you know, it's very behind Europe, right? You know, you could argue behind by four years. That's because, you know, Trump put office for three years, right? But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's very behind. The, the reason for U.S. to be behind is because of the government, you know, the government did not play too much role in the ESG, although it's changing right now. SEC has the you know climate disclosure you know out there for the comments, and but still it's very much behind. And if you look at Europe, Europe is very much ahead because they have all those climate you know taxonomy, they have all those disclosure requirements, you know on you know the on the financial industry, on the non-financial industry. So they very much has a system, an ecosystem, trying to do the right thing on the ESG space. So you mean to for US to catch up, the government side also has to catch up. They have to set up the new policy, new regulations, and guide the market to avoid greenwashing and really do something concrete, you know, on the ESG space. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, well, going forward, there's clearly a huge transitioning to integrate more of these resources, renewables, and ESG principles into corporate accountability uh, long-term, not just short-term. Um, and according to the IEA, the International Energy Agency, renewables are set to account for almost 95% of the increase in global power capacity through 2026, with the amount of renewable capacity added over the period of 2021. 2026 expected to be 50% higher than from 2015 to 2020. So in that case, what kind of changes will the fundamental shift in the types of energy sources economies use bring to the investment world as more investors seek to maintain a strong ESG portfolio? Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question, right? So, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the thing is changing right now. You know, we talked about the Ukraine war, you know, uh, this uh, the energy crisis already. So it definitely that pushed the change, you know, on the re renewable energy sector uh, in the short term. And also, you know, in the, in, there's also long-term change coming. In the short term, definitely for this, uh, you know, uh, many of the countries, we know because of the energy crisis, they are more and more use the nuclear and the natural gas as the long term, another long term, and kind of a bridge builds, you know, to resolve these conflict issues, right? So, uh, so in the short term, you would see a lot of nuclear and the natural gas kind of uh, production, and uh, and but and and also, you know, you're gonna see some countries even. You know, uh, renew the the production, the the electricity generation from the coals, right? I mean, therefore, you know, there's some short term, you know, problem here. The short term consequence here from the current energy crisis, and you could argue this uh, timeline of the decarbonization uh, is slowed a little bit, and because of this uh, crisis. But uh, over the long term, I think. You know, and also in the short term, you could argue the U.S. shale sector really benefits from this crisis, and uh, and also you know the 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 you know so the 
so but over the long term, you still we, we still see you know there's a commitment for the 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 clean energy for the you know the, the transition to the renewable energy, and as you said, a lot of investments going on for the clean energy, uh, clean energy and uh, and renewable energy, right? And the, the most of the countries, you know, they're still committed to the you know to to the you know the 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 the, the goal of carbon neutrality in 2050 and uh, so you know and also you are the eu still push forward their you know energy taxonomy and to some degree you could see you know a lot of eu countries they they, they, they decide to increase their investments you know to produce the clean energy and to shift their reliance on uh, away from uh, from russia right so Therefore, you know, but all those investments will take time. And in the short term, you could see, you know, there's a little bit of slowdown, you know, in terms of the, you know, the renewable energy and the, in terms of decarbonization. But that's all because the crisis and because, you know, there has to be some uh, bridge in between. Uh, but over the long term, and uh, you could still say with the investment committed right now, and with the investment being speed up right now, and over the long term, you could still see you know a, a huge increase of uh, renewable renewable energy and all those you know clean uh, energy uh, clean technology you know in 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 the in, in, in the industry firms, and uh, still all the countries committed to this uh, you know clean energy and the carbon neutrality goal. Yeah, understood. That that makes total sense. Um, and, and finally, before we just about run out of time for today, what is your perspective on the long-term growth prospects of sustainable energy and how you expect more ESG policies will or should be implemented to enforce sustainability? Yeah, there, there should be more policies implemented, right? I mean, from the government side. And we talk about that. I mean, the, the thing, as we said, there are anti- you know, an ESG voice and the, the reason for the anti-ESG voice to, you know, to really prevail is because there's concern of a greenwashing. They're concerned many of the firms that claim to be the ESG leader, but they are actually ESG lacquer, right? I mean, they don't really do much, but uh, they try to use, they play the game. They use, uh, they do the marketing and they pretend to do a lot of things or use one small thing to cover whatever. They are not doing very well on the other ESG spaces, right? So there's full, you know, there, this has to be changed. There has to be some credibility, you know, for the ESG in the market. And to have the credibility, you have to have regulation to standardize a lot of our practices, to standardize the measurements. Right now, what the, the problem, the, the, the problem, the, the, you know, the problem, you know, as I said, you know, for the greenwashing, bluewashing, is that we don't have a very objective and a scientific kind of measurements on the ESG performance and also on the ESG impact, right? Of course, there's debate, first of all, on should we focus more on the performance right now, uh, the ESG performance, or should we focus more on the ESG impact, or should we focus more on the materiality of the ESG risk to the investors, or should we focus more on impact of the ESG to society, right? I mean, there's still debate there, even for the the, the SEC, you know, the, the the climate disclosure, you know, asking for all those comments. But there's a lot of debate on that as well. 
but push that aside, you know, forget about all those debate on the performance versus impact. Still, we need some measurements, right? We need some, it's like the measurements like our accounting, you know, the, 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 the accounting reports, right? So we, we, when, we, when we evaluate whether the firm is good or bad, we know we look at profits, but we look at the revenues, but we don't have such things in for the, for the ESG space. We do have a ESG scores. The ESG scores right now, they're being criticized a lot because they are very much indirect and uh, everybody have their own ways to construct ESG score. You know, right now the major two are the MSCI and the Sustainitics, but they got criticized a lot, especially you know, after the Russian war because they actually increased the ESG score you know, for Russian companies, Russian banks before the war. And uh, therefore, a lot of firms, a lot of investment companies, they claim, you know, they, they invest in ESG stocks, ESG assets, but suddenly, you know, all those assets were frozen and they couldn't get out of it without any warning from, you know, those ESG scoring companies, right? So so it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, criticizes on those ESG scoring system. So to resolve this issue, first of all, you have to have a definition of what is important factor for the ESG for each industry. Each industry could be different, right? In the financial industry, we, we don't talk too much about all those emissions. Then there has to be something else to be more important. The financial industry, anyway, you know, they do have some, uh, you know, the carbon implication, but may not be as much as other industrial kind of firms, the, the industries. So there has to be definition, you know, on which ESG factor is more important and has such, you know, to have the weight and to, uh, to each industry. So that's what I think that, that the Europe is doing very well. So they have this uh, taxonomy, you know, basically uh, defines, you know, what are the important, you know, the, the, the factors to the ESG, to the environment, to, uh, Actually, taxonomy is more to the environment, not too much to the social, but to the environment, to the sustainability, right? So, uh, so that's one thing. You have the clear definition, uh, you know, which one we should look at. And the uh, second part, you has, we have to find out how to measure that, right? How do we, you know, find the, the carbon, you know, footprint for everything? You know, how do we calculate? The, the, for example, in, in, in uh, again, we come to the European you know, practice. How do we calculate taxonomy score, right? So to find out, uh, you know, those are carbon footprint for each item in your accounting statements, for each cost, for each revenue, and find out what is a total score. You know, that's that kind of. Uh, of course, we have this for you know, you know, a little bit, you know, in, in, in experiment in Europe for the environment side, but for the social side, we don't have anything. So, uh, of course, that's actually, you know, also, I think the reason for the social side to behind, you know, the environment side in the ESG development is because, you know, they're not, there's not as much push or uh, the, 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 you know, the, the forces to push forward the social, uh, initiatives compared to the environmental initiatives, you know. To some degree, we talked about, you know, uh, the investors are the, you know, the major force the pushing forward the environment, environmental initiatives. That's all they, they care about it. 
but uh, you know whoever cared the most about the social initiatives are those underprivileged population. But those underprivileged population, they don't invest in the stock market. So you look at low-income populations, you look at all those you know minorities. They don't invest much in the stock market. They don't even have much in their pension plan. So therefore, they are not going to put any voice in the stock market as investors to push forward social initiatives. Therefore, you need the NGOs to push forward. But this, again, is that the, the, the force is not as strong as the force to push the environmental initiatives. But so that's but we that's also partial reason maybe we don't have too much solution on the social part of the ESG. But you see the in, but still come back to the environmental part of ESG. Uh, we we need the you know, we need the clear definition. Um, you know what matters, and we need the you know clear practice on how to measure. You know those uh, those factors. Therefore, can provide a clear you know uh, picture. You know to the to 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 the to the market which companies go to that, and beyond that, you also have to make sure that how each companies will disclose their information and to allow you know the, the the measurement to be calculated right so that's the the disclosure also has to be improved so there are a lot of things can be done in the ESG space to improve uh you know to, to to push forward and the, right now we have to say the ESG is really in a very uh beginning space and then it's a very exciting space and there, uh, it, it has a very bright future. And, uh, you know, for you young folks, I think there will be a lot of job opportunities, a lot of uh, gold potential for you to get into. So that's really a very exciting field and a lot of things to be done, to be addressed, you know, from uh, both the government side and from the market side. Yeah, I mean, yeah, from yeah. what you said, uh, there's a lot to kind of acknowledge and, and juggle in the ESG world. Um, regarding investments with ESG benchmarks, materiality, um, you have profitability, um, environmental and social impacts. So I, I know there's a lot more about the current status of ESG as well as the energy industry um, to talk about. And as this all kind of progresses, we'll have to see how ESG continues to play a role in how, uh, what kind of energy is consumed in the future. Um, yeah. So that about wraps it up for today. And well, thank you so much, Professor Yan. Um, again, I want to thank you for your time and valuable insights. Sure, thank you. Thank you, Henry, again, for having me here. And it's very, uh, I think it's very, I'm very happy to discuss this very important topic with you and with the audience. been listening to the fin global podcast stay tuned for new episodes and check out our other published works on your favorite podcast platforms including spotify apple podcasts and more don't forget to subscribe and check out our socials for more information